0: Us, amigo. Hello and welcome along to episode 2 of season 4 of the 3 Amigos. I'm your host Don and I'm joined as always by my amigo Mars and my amiga Kylie last week's show we covered a lot of the value options and touched on some of those candidates who you might want to avoid and also maybe the teams for whom fixture gods have been kind in the opening game weeks this week we want to cover off a lot of the strategies that FBL managers might choose to employ especially with us coming of course into that blank game week in game week one one thing I wanted to give you guys a shout out about was the get to know you episodes which we recorded earlier on in the offseason so do check those out in our feed Mersey, kick us straight into your rant of the week. Yes, yes,
1: selfish players trying to have fun. How dare little kids. well, actually, they're not even young kids. They, I, I believe, Greenwood broke up with his missus apparently, but Foden has a missus and a baby. And these guys, like you know, there's their chance to be, you know, to stamp their authority in the English team. In the in the English team, probably could have would have started again uh, for Foden, and maybe Greenwood could have got a start. And guess what? They go and decide to be stupid and now they are sent back. Now, for, it, that's nothing to do with us, whatever they want to do. Well, it does have a lot to do with us because we have a Think about how selfish of them. Now, we don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of debate on Twitter. For me, to be honest, if I was United or City, I'd be telling them to stay away until we know they're clear or they do a test. But I wouldn't have them straight. Well, now, obviously, luckily, United and City don't play for another two weeks, so they might be fine. But let's see if even the FA give them a punishment or something like that because they did break the rules. Um, so yeah, for me it's just the stupidity. No, you know, we can't like if, if somebody catches it because they are they they traveling whatever fine, but to do something like that it's just stupid and yeah, it, it, it's not it's not good for their reputation nor nor for their future in the English team. So yeah.
2: Also, just uh, a note that uh, Pepe roulette, right? Because uh, it's come out that Marez and Laporte have both tested positive. So, a few City players there, potentially now Foden. So, it'll be interesting. Obviously, they don't, as you say, they don't play game week one, which gives them a little bit of time, but um, it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah, we touched
1: on it last week. Didn't I? I, said, I said, like, to me, these, it's, it's going to happen at the beginning of the season because these guys have not, they're just coming back. Some of them are in internationals and we're going to get some of these These things. The hope is obviously it calms down once we start and everybody goes back to post lockdown rules and it it settles down. But for now, obviously, you can see now the latest one is uh, Mbappe in the French squad. And people are saying, well, in the French squad, he's with Dinier, Martial, uh, Giroud, and all these other guys. Now, what what happens to them? So obviously, if he, they, they probably quickly get tested, but they might have to isolate, whatever. Again, we have to just be. You have to watch and see what happens. Hopefully, the good thing that has come out of all of this for me is the fact that City have released the names of the players that have it. Uh, obviously, with the England team, they're saying. So I'm hoping that as we move forward during the weeks, we hear about these players early. So you just have to hold your transfers and see what happens.
0: Nice one, folks. Now the code for the three amigos, Classic League. Um, you're more than welcome to join. We, As we always, we de- tend to close the league like after three to five game weeks. Um, As we kind of like to have our leader, one that has been with us from the get-go. NJ7 www is the code for that one, a nice handy one to remember. Um, So um, yeah, join up to that and compete against your amigos and the rest of the listeners who are tuned in tonight. Um, As we mentioned earlier on, strategies is what we are definitely focusing on in this week's podcast. Um, And of course, there is no bigger strategy than how uh, how to actually navigate this blank game week in game week one. Man City, Man United, Burnley and Aston Villa all blank as you all know um, so really it is everyone is kind of trying to figure out the best way to navigate this, go in with none of those players, no, no no players from those teams in our squads or maybe keep a couple of them on the bench and just try to get through game week one and have a little bit of an advantage over other managers. Uh, Kylie come to you first on this, um, what's your plan in order to navigate this blank game week?
2: So this could become. I, I had two key options here. So, like many, I believe, I'm, I've looked at a first two great fixtures, um, then followed by a trickier one. And he is something of a flat track bully. So, it's reasonable to hope that he will deliver effectively in the first two game weeks. Um, he then makes a really nice shift to De Bruyne or Sterling, if that's your, your preference. Um, in game week three obviously you could do it in game week two but they play wolves and that game week united have a more attractive fixture i believe palace um so for me and and the masses i think or certainly the masses on twitter seem to be thinking very similarly um i will hold off until then so the first concern for me really is united because it's one week that i'm looking to be without them um there are so many options. You've got Greenwood, question mark, uh, not just the COVID question mark, but the Sancho question mark, maybe. Um, there's Martial, Rashford, and then we've got Bruno. So my personal preference is Martial just because I had a really good run with him last season. I think with the, the creativity that's happening in that team with Bruno, He's, he's going to be on the end of so many opportunities. Um, so I really like him as a pick. And I think nine million is a really nice price as well. Obviously, he gets somewhat less points, um, because there's no clean sheets and there's no additional point for, um, that he would have had as a midfielder, given that he's now classified as a forward. But even still, um, I think given the options, he's, he's a really nice price. I just don't love the idea of benching a 9 million player for one game week and sort of just sacrificing that. Um, It is, it is, it has been argued as viable. And I, I think it is viable to bench a player, you know, particularly where everyone was looking at the likes of Suchek, you know, as a nice fixture game week one against Newcastle and then eminently benchable after that. Right. So you could conceivably play him, um, instead of whoever United United Asset is. We don't even know the situation with him. He's been isolating because of um, uh, COVID and uh, a potential close contact, I think, with a a positive case. Um, So in looking at all of that, I I did weigh up the merits of going Greenwood and benching because I think he is easier to bench at 7.5. But with this new scandal if we'll call it that, that's that's come out. I just think that that's one risk too many with Greenwood for me, so I'm going to swerve. So at this stage, it's actually looking like I'm just going to go in with my game week one team, and I have set myself up. Now it's subject to change, but I've set myself up for flexibility. So, you know, there are options up front that I can easily uh, change to Martial um, in game week two. For free, I like to have a little bit of money in the bank left over um, and there may even be scope to move um, one of my midfielders to, to one of the United midfielders. So at this point, I think I'm just going to go for one United player in game, game week two using a free transfer. But, I mean, there are plenty of people who are looking at the bench option.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, Marzi, how about yourself? What's your plan of action?
1: Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I'm doing, actually. So it's diff- you know, like the first thing that I'll say is there's not absolutely no right or wrong strategy. You have to pick one strategy that fits with you, the one that you're most comfortable with. I completely understand and agree where Carly's coming from. What, however, what I'm looking at is 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 a different way. I want to be able to be on the United train, at least one of them. You know, We don't know what they're going to do. They were absolutely shattered in the, uh, uh, the end of last season, new season. You know, don't know what's going to happen. But if we take, if we're looking at the post lockdown form, they were one of the teams in form and we wanted three of their attackers. So I want to be there. So I'm benching Martial. At the moment, Martial is the one on my bench. I Fancy him the most out of the United players, not just for his looks, but also for the football. You know, I do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, had to use the word fancy, didn't I? Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, look, yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I also love Fernandes, but uh, to to Kylie's point, it's, it's it's a balance how much I want to put on my bench. I'm happy because I have also two other strong, I believe, other strong strikers that I'm playing with. So I'm happy to bench him for one game, and then he's there because my aim is to have two free transfers for game week three, so I'm also flexible, like Kylie's saying. Now, obviously, I'm going to be even more flexible, and if I need to make moves in game week two, take a hit uh, uh, for game week three, I will be. But I'm trying to plan so I don't have a planned transfer. It's, I feel it's the mistake, personally, that I made last year. If you remember this time last year, I decided to go with Aubameyang and Mora, and then switched after two games to Kane. And, to be on, uh, and and that was deliberate. Aubameyang still had good pictures. It's just I wanted him at the beginning. And actually what ended up happening is I was like, oh, I don't want Aubameyang to do well because I really want to bring in Kane. So this time I'm just going with the players that I want long term as much as possible. I look at United's pictures and they look beautiful. And if I need to add to reinforcement, I can because I'm trying to be, again, like Kylie said, be flexible. I have different uh, uh, high players that I can bring down to bring in uh, a Greenwood or, or, or a Rashford or even a Fernandes if I want to. You can't have them all, right, with Salah and Aubameyang and KDB and New Sterling. So you have to pick. Um, but I didn't want to have my transfers honed, uh, 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 pre-planned because I don't know what's going to happen. The other thing that I really want, it's I want to be on that Chelsea train when it when it clicks because if it clicks it's going to be ridiculous. Their prices are really enticing and their fixtures after game week three are enticing. So with my you know as as Carly said probably most likely Young is going to go because he plays Liverpool after that. and don't particularly and Arsenal have tough fixtures for a few game weeks anyway. And it's yeah. in my head. Uh, look, if he scores two hat tricks, I might change my mind. But that's football, right? We're fickle. But for now, he's kind of like the one penciled in, if you like. Penciled, maybe rubbed that, whatever. Yeah, and to make way
0: for a Man City or a Man United player. Yeah.
1: Exactly. For a City player. So then, if I have two free transfers, my aim is I have, uh, at the moment, a placeholder is Ali in midfield. And he's eight. With the with the five that I get from KD, uh, to going to KDB or Sterling, that's 8.5. That's Havertz. That's Pulisic. That's Ziyech. You know, uh, Greenwood if I want to, ford if I had to, right? So I'm just kind of like trying to be flexible. Spurs have good fixtures. That's why I'm going for Ali. He's playing behind the striker. Uh, would I want Son? He frustrates me. Do I really want Ali? Probably not. But it's a nice I'll, starting point.
2: I'm, I'm considering Ali as well, I think. And, and it might be brainwashing from all or nothing, <laughs>
1: to be yeah, honest. I didn't watch it. To be honest, but- I didn't watch it.
0: Yeah, I I think I think there is a good bit. I think there is a decent bit of probably um, not brainwashing, but there is a little bit of influence coming. I think with from that show, which is natural. Um, I know the same thing happens with Hard hard Knocks in the NFL too in the states. It's um, when that shows on, that team tends to get um, a little bit more love because people get to know the players that are uh, that they're watching.
2: I don't know if it's that they're getting more love. I think they're getting love because of the fixtures um, and the perception that um, Mourinho has a second successful season second belts. season mm. as well. Um, I think with uh, Ali, it's probably the early conversations that you know we've seen where Mourinho has been trying to push him. We do know that Ali definitely had successful spurts um, under Mourinho. Uh, certainly more than was happening for a good long while and uh, poch before that. Um, but I think it's more just the price point and really alluding to what Mars is talking about here. Uh, you know, it, it, it's good to be flexible. In So, you know, we're talking, we've kind of gone off topic a bit there going on to spurs, but in, in terms of strategy, whatever strategy you're going with, trying to be flexible, particularly given that we have, Teams missing in game week one. We've got COVID question marks over lots. Really trying to set yourselves up in whatever fashion, whatever strategy, being flexible and adaptable.
0: Good stuff, Kate. Um, yeah, good points raised there throughout. Um, as Marjorie said, I think that one thing this game week won, and it does kind of give us a little bit of an opportunity to see what the Chelsea lineup will look like, what Man United look like in terms of freshness and um, you know maybe keeping a little bit more of a blank canvas is a good idea and um, it oh, as tempting as it is to kind of lay out those transfers. strategy we wanted to cover was basically form versus fixtures. Now this is one that I think a lot maybe of newer managers and that is what we're kind of you know we're trying to cater to those newer managers who are learning about the game. They probably hear that a lot in the community form versus fixtures. Mersey. Um, how about you? First of all, maybe just explain kind of to new managers what that kind of means in terms of a mantra, and um, and then maybe give your takeaway on how you try to line up your your team. Which one do you kind of adhere to most?
1: Yeah. So what, form of fixtures is it, it's a big debate, and um, it, it's really difficult for me at the beginning of the season to ignore fixtures. But I guess the, what, so what, what we mean here is, you know, uh, um, don't pick the player on the... A lot of people say, don't pick the player on the fixture, go for the form. Because what happens a lot of the time is we see Kane has three or four greens and we think, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him and captain him. And it's happened a lot where he played, for example, uh, a Cardiff and a Birmingham and he completely blanked. And maybe it's because you were enticed with the fixtures versus actually looking at his actual form. Was he on form? Uh, was he the right player to bring in? And sometimes it just doesn't happen, right? These things happen. But with, with this season and the fact that there is a short turnaround, I think that we can look at the post-COVID, uh, post-lockdown form as an indicator to how teams will play. But also what, what I would say is be careful because, as we said last time on, on the pod, some, some teams have more to play for than others. So when, when you're looking, I would say look at the... From a starting point of view, I would say you want... Guaranteed at the beginning, you need guaranteed starters. Tries to go for the talismans where you can, and uh, reduce that amount of pumps because you don't want to be left behind. Yes, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but you also don't want to be too far. Behind. That's that's what I would say.
0: Nice one, Mersey. Yeah, I have agree. Forum form is definitely the one for me. Fixtures is one thing I'm going to try to do this season is to actually avoid kind of doing too much. Looking ahead for those green FDRs on the um, on the on the FBL site, because you know sometimes the hot hand is definitely the one the one you want, um, and you can definitely move out, especially moving out a player who's in form. I'm going to try to avoid doing that this season, um, regardless of yeah. What completely agree with like. you. That's
1: the biggest mistake we do sometimes. Or if a, if a premium player uh, blanks once. And actually, he had like, I don't know, six shots on target, but just was unlucky in that game. And then what happens the next game? He goes and scores a brace. And we all fall for it. So uh, I'm also trying to do the same.
2: One thing I would say, um, just on this topic, and I guess more so for newbies, is um, yes, I absolutely am an advocate for form. But I also would stress that, uh, not always the case, but often... Uh, good fixtures can be a a predictor for good form, and particularly where you're looking at trying to find differentials. So they aren't these blue chip premium assets um, where you definitely don't want to be getting rid of them out of form. But if you have someone who's a cheaper player or plays for a lesser team, you really do want to be trying to find those plum fixture periods because that's often where you can find an effective differential. Where they don't typically tend to do as well in in the trickier fixture runs. So, dep- it, it, it all depends on who that person is in your team and, and you know what your expectations are for them. Um, good fixtures can lead to good form, but it doesn't always work out that way. Whereas good form can override bad fixtures.
0: Very true. Very Agui. true. Agui um next up Kylie come to you first on this transfer value so um the, a lot of a lot of this is one i definitely think that newer managers are a bit confused with at the beginning in terms of player increases player decreases and so on but why is transfer value important why is it kind of important not to lose too much in that and um and kind of how much do you kind of adjust your strategy and maybe make go for an early transfer to avoid getting any of those price drops and getting the increases
2: Right, so this is something that many people put a lot of stock into and it's understandable in the, particularly in the early phase of the season, you do see transfers moving very, very quickly. Um, people want to get on the form player and they're less likely to be patient. That's probably also driven by the fact that you have or thereabouts active managers in the game. So they're all making transfers, whereas the further into the season we go, we start to get dead teams, and that obviously means that there's less active transfers happening, which might cause really speedy price rises. And, of course, it is these price rises that cause a bit of panic because people don't want to miss out on the opportunity to get a player in. They don't want to have that dreaded 0.1% you know, value difference that means that they they can't bring that player in, and it's a genuine issue in in the early season, um, game week one. If we see someone delivering, we can sit, expect to see some quick movement. It's really absolutely the case with United, just because uh, while there's a lot of large fan bases, the United fan base seem to be uh, very quick at buying in their own players uh, more so than others. Um, so. These are things that we have to watch. For me, I guess what I would say is I I almost never move quickly on a transfer. I do like to be – while I'm not always a cautious player, I am cautious about my transfers in terms of when I do it. I do tend to leave it until very late regardless of price rises. So I like to bring in um, – I, I like to ensure that I, I have a bit of wiggle room on those on the, the prices. Um, and hence why I would usually leave money in the bank for my first game week, um, just to, to cover that base. I view it as, yes, over the course of a season, you really need to accrue value. It's very helpful for later cards in enabling you to get a stronger team, particularly with the likes of bench boosts. It, it gives you more wiggle room there. But over the course of the season, if you are buying effectively and you're getting strong assets who are going to deliver, and are delivering and inform players, their prices are going to increase and you're going to get the benefit of it anyway. So, you know, sometimes you might be pushed to an early transfer, but a lot of people have been burnt by that as well. And during COVID and everything going on at the moment, I know we keep referencing it, but this is a season start like none we've ever seen before. So a little bit of caution won't do any harm because you don't want to find out after buying someone on the Monday, that on Wednesday they have tested positive for COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. Just
0: something to be aware of. Very good, Kay. Thanks a million for that one. Uh, Mersey. next up we have big at the back. So um, this is one that definitely last season, a lot of managers started off the season with um, with uh, premium assets, a lot of money invested in defence um, why don't you talk us through maybe what what that generally entails and also maybe what's the viability this season? Do you think it's again a season that it could prove to be the right thing to do to lead in with a lot of premium assets there?
1: I think last season people started with it and quickly came off it because I don't think it was the right time. There it worked, was time it worked it was for so. about
0: three or four weeks, I think, or two weeks maybe, but then kind yeah, of did exactly. black off. Yeah,
1: the thing is at the beginning normally what you get is the the the, the, not the smaller teams, but the, you, you, yeah, well, the smaller teams, the teams that are promoted are you know Ever, Everton, coming like,
0: up. Everton, yeah. Like
1: yeah, you know the Everton. <laughs> um, you know, um,
2: get Pookie scoring uh, at the start of the season and disappearing into the ether. Exactly, that's you know championship players coming up. They're excited.
1: Okay. They all you know they they've got this uh, adrenaline uh, the okay. ru- adrenaline rush on the start at the beginning of the season and it fizzles out so for me uh, now this was with fans though there's a big difference this year I think we are going to see I do think. Listen, so big at the back is basically so to the newbies. Uh, it, it is what it is. Basically, having big defenders. And the reason this all started is because people like Trent and Robbo are just as good as as any. In fact, better probably than any of the midfielders right now at their value. I'd argue maybe Greenwood is is, is a little bit uh, maybe equal or better. But if they get clean sheets and goals. Then definitely, you've got Trent Robbo. Then you've got people like uh, Laporte, who comes in with, with potentially some clean sheets and, and, and goals. Van Dijk, uh, you've got the certainty of starting. Liverpool being strong at the back, keeping clean sheets. So sometimes people double up on Liverpool. Uh, you've got um, uh, Doherty. Doherty is, is another ex- uh, great example now with his move to Spurs. Um, so basically, it's the expense, having expensive defenders at the back. That's what you're spending a lot more money at the back than normally you would. Um, so you've got big at the back and you've got light at the back, where you're going only with Trent and and some cheap assets. It's, these are the two different things. Now for this season, I think yes, I still think the newly promoted clubs like West Brom and like uh, and Leeds and um, uh, what uh, Fulham and uh, those those teams and the teams that they're uh, you know. 10th and below, whatever, will also still have the adrenaline rush at the start, and they want to do well. They want to start well, and the excitement. And then, I think sometimes uh, then you, you, you get the plateau. The difference now, like I said, with no fans, I think what we saw in the post, post-lockdown is the bigger team, the stronger teams, the ones that can just hold the ball and absolutely drain you, are winning with clean sheets. To, a lot of the games at the beginning of lockdown were 2-0. And there was a reason for that. Because people are not used to playing with that fans. That maybe they are now, Maybe they are now and we'll see a difference. But when you have a team like City who just holds the ball, pass it around them, they're so good at it. That's why I think they're going to walk it this year. They don't care fans or no fans. They will keep the possession and they will keep creating chance after chance after chance. And your head naturally will drop. So I think we might still see. I see um, Big at the Back as a viable option. Maybe not straight at the beginning. Maybe after the first nine, ten weeks maybe. Just see how things are. Uh, but for me, I'm I'm not doing it. I'm going with big at the top and uh, in midfield.
0: Nice one. And Kay, speaking of big up top, big big up top, um, the uh, there is a lot of value actually in the forwards. Kind of as we mentioned on last week's podcast, decent number of ones around the six million, and even the premium priced ten point five Aguero, say Kane, and so on. Um, but uh, what's what are you thinking in terms of that strategy to start off the season?
2: Yeah, it's really funny because I, I definitely and I think I might have said this last week, I wasn't really even though I felt like forwards were well priced, um, I wasn't necessarily feeling it. I Mars loves his forwards, right? I love the midfielders so, um more so typically. And that would be usually where I'd heavily invest. Um and it really wasn't until the fixtures came out that I sort of looked at those forwards with clear eyes and could really see that the premiums or the kind of mid-price, you know, you're eight and above, uh, they definitely were the ones that had the better fixtures. And so it is a bit of a challenge because you, you've got a lot of money you want to spend in midfield, um, but also, frankly, it's the the Pricier forwards who who look really attractive and they're also the ones that I think that can can really deliver out of the gate um so I can understand why people would want to be investing a lot up there um Mars has already said he's going in with three big guns and I'm not surprised to hear that he's having his heyday here with uh lots of forward options um, and a have- two and a half okay. two and,
1: yes. and a half i I'm, I'm I'm still between two and a half and three I haven't decided yet
2: okay <laughs> but You know, we haven't, we haven't had loads of amazing forward options over the last couple of years. Um, you know, so it, it does give a a little bit more scope this season. For me, it's definitely a case of one proper premium. Um, a cane, not really looking at Vardy, but like a cane or maybe down to a Verma. Um, I like the flexibility of having Kane just because of the Aguero option or basically moving to anyone um, and then a sort of 8.5-ish kind of character. Um, I'm not going for three. I think if if I was going for three, it would probably be in a situation where I looked at like an Adams or something um, because I just like on principle, I'm not bringing in Mitrovic and I'm certainly not bringing in Calvert Lewin. I don't care about Rodriguez coming. I just can't do it. Not yet. He's traumatized me so much. Um, so I think three, five, two or a four, four, two is probably the direction that I'll go initially. But so much of that is shaped by the missing players in, in game week one. So I think formations will be flexible the first, first game week, but I certainly think that it pays right now to invest a little bit more in those premium, uh, not necessarily fully premium, but invest, invest a bit more in at least two um, forwards because there are a lot of options and it means that you can move uh, across quite quickly to whoever the form options are. And I like that. I like having the ability to move if I've made a mistake. And I think if you set yourself up in such a way that you assume certain mistakes are going to be made and you're not going to get it all right, which is a fair assumption, then it kind of gives you the freedom to be able to make effective changes in your team quickly without feeling a little bit trapped.
0: Hmm. That's, a, that's a valid point. Last season, I know I started off the season with actually no premium forward and I read a Peter Blake um, article and it was to do with um looking at where where historically the players um generally can get value. And one thing they'd said is generally for the when you pay the big bucks for um in defense and midfield you're more likely to basically get value for money and get the returns that you, for your investment. Whereas up front oftentimes it might be like one season might be Callum Wilson, another season might be Danny Yings, but generally you can get one or two players that will kind of emerge that will kind of wet that at a at a bargain price. Um, that's why this season I know everyone is still looking at um, you know the likes of Mitrovic or uh, Shea Adams or or Danny Ings again.
2: Well,
0: that? So maybe but, it's him again. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But we uh, we will we'll touch on a good lot of them options later on. But um, yeah, that was that was one thing I actually decided to do last season. Um, but as you did mention, um, and it, it worked out fairly well. My my, it basically, try to stick to it the entire year was try not to have a forward that was more than like eight and a half million, nine million tops. Um, which last season ruled me out of having a lot of those players, but and investing that money in defence and in particular in midfield. Um, But if you're going doing it, as you mentioned, it does kind of, um, it does kind of straightjacket your strategy and it doesn't make moving, making, making reparations for any obvious major mistake that you've made. Um, It doesn't make that too easy. Uh, Marzi mentioning that no premium forward. Um, Other than what Kylie was saying there in terms of kind of straightjacketing your, your, um, your, your strategy what's the kind of pitfalls and maybe the advantages this season um, with Aubameyang, for instance, or Rashford moving back into midfield? um, Can you see a kind of um, an advantage this season, a particular advantage this season to that strategy?
1: Um, Yeah, not at the beginning. I think the fact that United and City, unless you're doing an early card, I think the fact that United and City are not starting a lot of the premium midfielders are not starting in game week one and then, you know, debatable whether the City have an easy game or not in the second game week. That rules out a lot of your, you know, your rush for your KDB, your Fernandes, uh, which probably would have been, you know, I think Fernandes, KDB, Salah would have been a lot of people's uh, midfield pre-blanks uh, and pre-fixtures, uh, potentially. Um, the, the one thing I don't like about uh, no premium forwards is, is exactly what you guys just said. It's, it's, if you want to move up, it's really difficult. So I would rather start high up. Because a lot of the premium forwards that we just mentioned, like your Kane, like your Werner, like your Martial, they have really good fixtures. You can move down. If it doesn't work out, you can move down. However, if your if uh, average forwards, let's say, uh, are not delivering, you really can't go anywhere. So you're kind of stuck. Um, and you need to then move a premium midfielder out And that's not one thing I don't want to do. I want to keep my my two premium midfielders and switch them with other premium midfielders, not downgrade so I can move. Um, I think later on it could work because of the structure of some of the uh, prices of some of the players. If Chelsea uh, midfielders like Havertz and Pulisic start delivering, if your are and and Greenwood stop messing about and actually deliver, uh, and your Mahrez and stuff. Then I think you have a lot of options in midfield to go three-five-two or or even four-five-one. Then yes. But at the beginning, I think that the way with the blanks, the prices and the fixtures, I think it's easier to start heavy up top and move down it gives you a lot more flexibility in my opinion
0: yeah no it definitely does if you're going to do it you have to basically commit to it um and if you the and you do face the if you are someone that's going to likely to change after a couple of weeks um it is one a mistake you could pay deeply for um by having to maybe take some hits to um to make those moves um next up we wanted to talk about goalkeeper strategy um Normally, and one thing you do see an awful lot of rookie managers do um, is that they tend to spend a lot in in the goalkeeping position. Now a lot of us experienced managers will know that it rarely actually, rarely do the higher price goalkeepers actually prove worth their um, their price tags unless they're like going through a particularly um, green patch of fixtures. Whereby they're going to rack up a serious number of clean sheets or if they're maybe going through a double game week or something like that but usually um it is those kind of trying to find that quality bargain priced goalkeeper and um, to start the season and um, this season it's a little bit different for I know myself I have two playing goalkeepers at the moment two four and four and a half million ones. That's primarily actually to do with the COVID, um, with basically trying to give myself a little bit of protection in case one of my keepers was to go down with COVID or have a fixture postponed, um, which is obviously worst case scenario. Um, But um, at the moment I'm on Ryan and I'm on McCarthy as well. Um, I'm not trying to, one thing that new managers do think sometimes to do is do a little bit of rotation with the keepers. But um that rarely works out because you generally end up picking the wrong keeper each week and it is um it's a recipe for frustration. Um what do you think, Kylie, on the goalkeepers? Um what what way do you plan on starting off this season?
2: So uh yeah, I mean I guess I would preface by saying I I never spend much on goalkeepers because there's there's just not enough margin between the, uh, higher priced keepers and the, the cheaper ones. And indeed, usually the premium keepers, it's a, it's six mil, uh, six pointer or nothing. Um, because they just don't tend to get those save points that really drive the bonus, uh, because they have stronger defense in front of them more often. They're not, and they're not facing as many shots. Um, so it's it's usually in the 4.5 range that I would happily look. Maybe later in the season I might stretch up to someone else. Um, I don't like rotating keepers at all because it never works out for me. I do understand the merit of spending the extra 4.5 to have two playing keepers uh, just to, for a security blanket. And if I were to do that, I'd probably still be nominating a primary one. And then just having that other one there as an insurance policy. Um, Another strategy, and this is one that I've been weighing up as well, is the um, king and heir strategy, often referred to uh, by Tom on who got the assist. Uh, So that's basically where you've got a combination of the keeper and backup keeper from the same team. So at the moment, the obvious one for that is actually West Brom. Um, now that Button has moved across. Um, so Button was the backup, the four million backup to Ryan at, um, Brighton. Um, and that was a really good combination because we all kind of know what we're getting out of Ryan. Um, but the idea there is that if the first choice keeper at 4.5 gets injured, then you've got their very cheap and able backup to be able to play. So theoretically, you're always covered. Now, if a team's match doesn't go ahead or something, then there's no security in that situation. But um, I think it's a relatively viable strategy. Um, unfortunately, the two preferred 4.5s who are Ryan and McCarthy do not offer that anymore. Um, but just for reference, that that is an option that's, that's there. Um, at the moment, I've just gone for – I have uh, McCarthy in at the moment, but that's subject to change. Um, but I've gone with a 4.5 and a, a 4. So I don't have a backup at the moment. Um, I'm all about that risk.
0: That's it. Risky girl. Um, the Next up, we are going to cover a bunch of players who are being debated in the FPL community um as we mentioned this this time of the season is definitely one of those when in the community where everyone is trying to um I don't know is it build build up um build up their own picks to be somehow um superhuman so produ- producing the stats that will um will suggest that no they're definitely right in who they have and trying to get maybe a player that that everyone when they mention them in future will think of of x at x on twitter who first of all brought this one to the community but um ings versus jimmy um jimenez of course is one that everyone is looking at eight million versus eight and a half million um so decent price points um two main forwards for their teams um Marzi baby um or she coming to you first on this one kylie um what's your thoughts on these two which one would you prefer
2: well firstly they're both 8.5 oh. um I thought he. I yep. thought Ings,
0: apologies now, I thought Ings was eight. I haven't even looked no, at right.
2: them really. No, at the same price and justifiably so because there was four points in the difference uh, uh, in terms of their overall points from last year. So Jimenez got 194 points, Ings 198. So whilst, whilst they had quite different uh, starting prices, they they did finish very similarly. Um, and interestingly enough, so Jimenez had 17 goals, 7 assists, 33 bonus. Uh, Ings, 22 goals, 2 assists and 40 bonus. So Jimenez scored 5 more assists than Ings and Ings scored 5 more goals than uh, Jimenez. But um, there's very little in the difference except, I guess, to say that Jimenez played a decent amount sort of 450 or thereabouts more minutes than um, Ings did. So there's a few matches worth there. Um, so over the course of the season, they've finished very, very similarly. They both have decent runs to start. Um, Jimenez, arguably the more difficult first two fixtures with uh, Sheffield United and then City, but then they have a lovely run, uh, West Ham, Fulham, Leeds, Newcastle. Um, Ings has... Palace, Tottenham, Burnley, West Brom, Chelsea and Everton. Uh, so good fixtures and then maybe slightly trickier ones, though. I mean, Chelsea's defence hasn't been great shakes and uh, we'll see what happens with Tottenham. Tottenham do have a lot of fixtures coming up. Um, if we look at post-lockdown form, um, just because of recency, uh, Ings scored seven goals with one assist, four goals and an assist for Jimenez and attempts were very similar so it was 22 in total for Ings during that period of nine games and 19 for Jimenez both had nine shots on target so as you can see Jimenez was slightly more clinical Um, and it was six big chances for Ings and two big chances for Jimenez so there's a a bit more quality in terms of the chances for for rings. And obviously we saw him convert more because he scored three extra goals there. But I mean, really there's just, there's so little between them that I think a lot of it is going to come down to preference. Um, one thing I guess we could say is that there's not necessarily a cheaper alternative um, for Jimenez. Yes. Okay. They've got Neto, they've got potent, they've got Traore Um but there's a lot of changes going on with that. I worst. know you
1: hate Jota, but give him at least give him a shout out.
2: No, he, he doesn't deserve a <laughs> reference at the start of the season. Jo- Jota, Jota,
0: Jota and DCL would be a great combo to start off the year, I think.
2: Oh my god, these are the two that have trolled me, and indeed, I, it could not be better put than in um, Monkey. There's his reference, standard reference in his uh, thread today. Um, <laughs> saying basically, don't consider Jota because uh, it takes him three months to realize that he plays football. And this is absolutely true. Take it from someone who has, for reasons unknown, had him in her starting lineup in game week one for the last two seasons. Do not do it. He, he will not come alive until closer to Christmas. Um, so there's not really, I mean, Treore, yeah, okay, but he could play maybe, um, you know, in Doherty's position, unless they get a replacement, who knows? There's a lot going on there. So Jimenez is clearly the more secure option and he's so stable and so consistent. So over the course of a season, I think he's going to deliver again because that's just what he does. I do think Ings has a higher ceiling and, um, Obviously, we've only got one kind of really strong season to base on, but that was a strong season in which he wasn't um, getting injured, which is historically what has always been the case for him. So I think given how central to that team he is, he could be, uh, I, I think he has the highest ceiling, I really, really rate him. Uh, I guess the the argument is that um, maybe Adams is a a cheap, viable option, not as nailed, arguably, but still he had really good uh, form post-lockdown. They're both delivered in pre-season. So, you know, there could be something good happening there. Once once, uh, Adams finally scored his first goal, the confidence seemed to come. So maybe that will deter or not deter but kind of make people think that there's a cheaper way into Ings. And I guess I don't think that Adams is going to match Ings there, but, you know, he could do well for six. So that might make you go, I have an 8.5 slot, and I'm just going to go Jimenez. I think either way – now, look, I'll caveat this by saying that Ings does appear to have an injury. I don't think – it doesn't sound like it's anything major, but um, that has happened, so just something to monitor. Um, But I think either way – they're two really strong options. They're really both very similar, and it's quite handy that they are the same price to start because it does give you that flexibility to move uh, from one to the other. So I, I wouldn't judge anyone too heavily for yeah. going either way.
0: For now, they've kind of fallen both of them. Fallen Basically, kind of, flip a yeah, coin.
2: If you want one yeah. of them, just flip a Go coin. With which, your
1: preference. It's yeah, which one so you know, prefer. <laughs> But I uh, yeah absolutely
0: both of them have kind of absolutely. fallen. They've fallen, but in between my price points really so far because I'm kind of going going either above them or below them really in price. I haven't looked at um that 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 eight and a half for now. But uh I've seen teams see. with
1: both of them, and I get it. I've seen mm. teams with both of them, and I get it. They are time, the consistent consistent. Yeah. Mr. Con- as, as well as Mr. Consistent, especially Jimenez, you know he will he will he will take along. Yeah. Jimenez is what I always describe as the uh, same as Uba. Really, I mean don't get me wrong, I like Jimenez, but both of them are perfect draft players because you can just leave them in there and you know they will get you nearly yeah. 200 points.
0: True that. So Marcy, um next next player comp we wanted to do was actually the aforementioned Kylie Touchdown there, Adams, Shea Adams um, versus Mitrovic. So Mitrovic was definitely the flavour of FBL town um, when he was in the Premier League last with Fulham. Definite bargain and he's nail starter, the main man. He'll be involved in all the goals for Fulham. But um, which player would you come down on the side of in that debate?
1: It's it's a difficult one. Uh, obviously, difficult to compare them because one is in the Premier League, one is in in um, was in the championships. So you know, but if you look if you look at it, I mean, look, Adams uh, for the first thirty thirty game weeks got forty points in total, and then post lockdown, and let's look at post post lockdown, thirty nine points, four goals, one assist, four point eight eight per game. Yes, yes, you are hearing me talking stats. Um, uh, 17 shots in the box and eight on target versus 12 and two. So, did he get the confidence? Yes. All started funnily enough against City with that lob of uh, what's his name, uh, Edison. Um, so, you know, Carly touched on it. You get a saving of 2.5 if you go Ings uh, if you go uh, Adams uh, o- over Ings. Absolutely. But you are, you know, the, the thing is here we. He's not the talisman. Uh, Carly also touched on the fact that he might be a rotation risk. I don't see that. I think actually their front two is Adams and Ings. Now, will he come off earlier before Ings? Maybe. I think Long and Obafemi are way be behind those right. two. Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's probably just that he might get a little bit of a rest or come off a bit earlier. Seems preferred, exactly. right? I'm not think, an expert
1: on that team. But. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, from, again, look, the eye From watching them, he seems to be a lot more... If you remember this time last year, Kylie, uh, you started with Che Adams, didn't you? A lot of people did as well, and I'm. And this is my worry: is are we going to get the same? But you know, if we go in fixtures form, he definitely deserves a shout out, and also the fact, um, uh, for me it's about the combo. You know, if so, uh, I'm, I said I want to go big, big up top. So I'm to, um, uh, at the moment I have Werner and Martial. I can have Ings, but it means I want to fight. Uh, I, I'm gonna have two five and a half midfielders. If I go with um. Uh, uh, Adams, I have an eight midfielder and an easier move to a Chelsea, a bit more flexible and this to be honest, my debate right now right now, it's I'm going to have one of the Southampton strikers because I think they have good fixtures and they, I like their manager and they are team in form from post lockdown, so I'm going to be on one of them, um, do I want to miss out on the Che train with Monkey, it will be unbearable if he scores, and, but it will be hilarious if he flops as well, so you know, it's, 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 it's a balancing thing the one thing, and for the newbies the one thing that I'm thinking about is, would I even consider Adam if I, uh, Adams if I wasn't on Twitter? That's my question to myself, because I'm trying to put the noise of Twitter out. I would definitely, me, five years ago, would have gone for Inks. But I'm also trying to be Wait, a bit more flexible and a bit more clever. Aren't you comparing him to Mitrovic? I am. I'm just saying the benefits of having, Inks, uh, uh, having uh, uh, Adams in your team. Now, if we look or so, uh, oh, that price point, if you like. Now, talking about Mitrovic, so thank you. Now, quickly touching on, on their fixtures, got Palace, Spurs, Burnley and West Brom. Um, touching, uh, talking about Mitrovic, if we look at their fixtures, they've got Arsenal, Leeds, Aston Villa and Wolves. Maybe not the best start, but then after that, from game week six, they've got Crystal Palace, West Brom, West Ham and Everton. Now, Mitrovic comes as a talisman and that's the biggest difference between him and Adam, uh, Adams. Um, also, he is actually experienced in the Premier League. Um, in 2015-2016, he was with Newcastle. Nine goals, four assists. 2018-2019, with Fulham, 11 goals, four assists. So he, you know, he's, he's taking pens. He's playing. Um, he was top goal scorer in the Championship last season. Um, actually, and, and I was really surprised with that, 40 starts, 90 minutes. The games that he missed, the six games that he missed, four suspensions and two injury. The guy is definitely a 90 minute man, and we all love a 90 minute man. Um, the one thing that we all know about him is he loves a yellow card. So he had in the last two seasons 16 yellow cards, eight in each. So he's quite consistent as well. Um, look, if you look at the data just by itself, a talisman versus a non-talisman, it points towards Mitro. I think it really depends if you want a bit of this uh, of the uh, some people I've seen gone with Ings and Mitro, and I think it makes sense if you want if you can't have Ings and you want a bit of Saints Adams makes sense I think it really depends on your structure I think you could easily switch between them start with Adams and then when you see how Fulham are playing and when they go into that nice early easier fixtures you can jump onto uh, Mitro.
0: Good stuff Marzi Kay Kay giving out to you there about about straying off topic Marzi and she I, yeah I, and, uh, and i, and, just, I, I believe, just, I believe no, she had no, cof, no, she had no, covered no, adams no. in her one <laughs> oh,
2: Exactly. But, hey,
1: yeah
0: anyway, i'm always getting told off yeah al- always get given out to really mercy and it's it's harsh
2: well someone has to be responsible for keeping uh you guys in line that's Sorry, it
0: I'm that's just... it <laughs> uh and speaking of keeping guys in line kylie because i think that people need to um People need to be getting a little bit, a bit of a slap on the arse if they consider going into game week one without Salah. What do you think? Uh, what do you think on that one? I know it's it's uh, it's one of those ones in a game week where they're coming into against a promoted side at home, champions, um, and going into that game week one without Salah or Mane potentially. Um, it does seem like a ballsy move, but what's your thoughts on it? I
2: feel like it, and we're going to come to this throughout the season because it just constantly happens. There's no Salah, you know, to Salah or not to Salah thing. Um, it's like a merry-go-round when we run out of things to talk about. Um, and particularly when budget comes into it because unquestionably when you're talking about one of the most expensive players in the game um, or in this case uh, one of the two most expensive players in the game uh, being Salah or Mane, um, you know, obviously that money can go quite far conceivably in your team if, if you don't have them and so there's a, a big debate as expected happening right now um and it's not so much whether people are debating to have salary or money it's it's to to have one or not um and i think a lot of the drivers behind doing that obviously it's the spread of funds there's there's a bit of worry over the fact that we don't have a definitive 4.0 defender to save some money um some of the luster has come off the 4.5 defensive options, uh, COVID uncertainty and people wondering, do I need to spend a bit more on my bench? Um, so with all of these things considered, people are thinking, well, oh, maybe that money could go a little further in my team. It's also coupled with the fact that uh, Liverpool were notably a bit sluggish post-lockdown uh, and their big victory. Understandable. Um, questions over whether the absence of fans is having an impact there and um, and you know they haven't been amazing in pre-season but I would argue that they were not amazing in pre-season last season and sure look what happened there so there's a lot of reasons why people would justify that decision and you know while I wouldn't bet against Salah Omane myself you know I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock in pre-season, and I I wouldn't argue the point overly with with those people if they want to do that. Um, You know, there's there's temptation there, but I guess I would caution them to have a backup plan because we know what these players can do. Salah in particular has been extraordinary over three seasons. Mane has been as well. Um, Look, they don't always blow up at the same time, but they're both over the course of a season, they're going to consistently deliver. Arguably, um, they underperformed last season. I mean, they both scored less uh, goals last season than they had the previous year when they got the joint golden boot. Um, and I think we're going to see, well, I mean, I don't know what the impact of uh, of no fans in the stadium is going to do, but, I mean, they're capable of so much, and, and so that would really scare me not having them. Um And the other thing is it goes back to that flexibility. Mars referenced it uh, before with his own strategy, and it's very much in keeping with how I am planning to run my team. I want to have two premium slots there because there are a number of premium players, and I'm not going to want to – while I won't necessarily sit here and say Salah himself is essential and he's going to be in my team from start to finish because maybe that won't happen, someone – I want to have someone – um in that slot in that price range i want to be able to say okay i've got kdb in and now i've got a slot that is probably mostly going to be seller but sometimes it'll be orba sometimes it'll be sterling sometimes it'll be someone else and if i have that slot in there and i'm starting with seller it's a lot easier to move that around than if not if you're not choosing to have him my biggest Piece of advice would be be really careful about how you spend that money if you're choosing to spend it on two players right so just hypothetically uh you know Ings and Son versus Salah and like a useless Bamford or something they they work out of out at about the same um and so if you went for Ings and Son because you wanted two stronger players um but you can then in two moves get to Salah by selling down you know your Ings um, you can flip easily and, and self correct, but if you spread that money really thinly across your team, it's going to be really, really hard to come back from that without a wild card. There might be people who are wild carding early and that's part of their strategy. Um, and they're justifying, you know, Liverpool don't have the most amazing fixtures to start. So maybe I can get away with it. Maybe you can get away with it, but whatever you do, my God, just have a backup plan because Salah can be really, Scary not to own. Yeah,
0: with the, with with his ownership, hundred percent. Mersey Werner versus Marshall. Um, so it's the last of our player debates. Um, it is the big one in terms of um, Werner is obviously a newbie in the league. Uh, Marshall change a position to forward this season, but with Man United's increased firepower. But um, the Chelsea, of course, they've made an awful lot of exciting signings and Werner looks like he's the man who's going to benefit from all that supply. But um, which side of these two do you come down on?
1: I've got both (laughs) at the moment. (laughs) Um, Yes, definitely at the moment I've got both. But yeah, I mean, look, they're both both absolutely good options. Um, Timo, obviously, is the new guy on the block, look. He only came second to Lind- uh, Lindwinski in uh, the Bundesliga, and it's about how you know you translate your form from the Bundesliga to uh, to the Premier League. And there's a lot of players that have done well. Uh, also, there's players that haven't. Uh, but I think people are excited because Chelsea made a lot of chances last year, but Abraham and Giroud, sorry, Kylie, just kept missing. And now you've got he was not as
2: bad as Abraham. I got a lot he of was, slack. He
1: wasn't. Well, in the, in the air, he was much better. And let's... OK, in the, on the floor, yeah. I mean, he was still better than Abraham. And look, the, Abraham as a kid and the kids that Chelsea had last year did them a great job and finished, obviously, you know, got them to fourth. I'm not surprised that Chelsea needed to invest in players like Timo. You know, this guy um, had 28 goals, 8 assists, and he lost shots. 64 shots on target, 44% of them in, uh, scored. Um, he made 61 chances and and 53 key passes. So he loves to assist as well as scoring goals. Um, Now, the one thing that for me is is about Werner is where where will he play? And it's the the whole thing about Chelsea. For me, the reason that I might not go with Werner and start with Martial and somebody else, so if we're thinking about is it Werner or Martial, is because for me, Chelsea is... Too many new players, it's a wait and see. However, there's two things that worry me. One is I think they need a striker like him. So they probably start with him in the middle, maybe until Pulis, but then, or will they go left and Pulisic comes, you know? But I think they will start in the middle anyway. And he can still score, by the way, just like an Obama Young style, maybe less frustrating. The other thing is, and you touched on it earlier, Don, ownership. And I know it's not what makes my team, but the guy's already the highest-owned, um, I think, player outside Salah or maybe Trent. And in the forwards, he's, he's like 20% higher than anybody else. Now, if he scores a brace and you don't have him, you're already probably behind, depending on what other, your other strikers do. So it, 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 you have to decide, do you want to, um, because they got Liverpool next. And, you know, the last game was high scoring between Liverpool and Chelsea. But also it could be anything. He could flop in the two games. And what, what could happen, ironically, is you get him, he flops. Mass sales and all the casuals who didn't realise that uh, Or don't like it uh, Then move to Martial who comes in And then you've got a drop in price So do you wait and get a cheaper winner potentially Or do you just start with him So that's the one thing So the other options if you don't want to start with him is Martial Now for me He was probably the most um, The one that stood out the most Out of the United team I just feel in the final third In the final third everything goes through him As in In the box he seems look. He had um, 47 touches in the box, eight key passes, nine shots in the box, six on target. This is just post lockdown. Um, uh, 14 shots in total.
2: That's Maz. Huh? That's
1: Maz. Yes, it is. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> 52 points, 8.67 6, per game. The guy, the way United play, he is there to do the tap-ins. If there's a hat trick in that team, I think it's Martial. Rashford is too far out left. Uh, Fernandes will get the penalties and will get goals. Greenwood will, you know, his volume of shots and ridiculous finisher. Martial is there to fit for me to finish the United play, and that's why I really like him. Now, obviously, with these points, the one thing is the change of position. He's moved from a midfielder to a forward, so people were arguing between him and Rashford and the slip of points, whatever. He still, I think, is a great option. A, a an affordable price for a forward that you, in my opinion you can bench or you can choose between him and Werner I might still by the way decide to go higher than Werner for example we mentioned Vardy and Kane and start with Martial instead of him and then see how Werner does or just take the safe route knowing that it could be a transfer in the future and just start with Werner
0: good stuff Mersey. Um, one thing we wanted to actually wrap up our strategy section was um, wild cards now this season, Marzi, it's a little bit different than um, than others in terms of the first half of the season is a little bit shorter, and I know a lot of people in the community, myself and included, are kind of looking at uh, an extra early wild card to kind of cover off that blank for the for Man City and Man United. It's a way that maybe to navigate the blank game week. But um, what's your thoughts on the early wild card this season in particular?
1: Look again, I will say the same thing. Difference, no right or wrong in the strategies. I think I can absolutely see the point of saying, right, I'm going to attack game the hell out of game week one and I'm going to wildcard in game week two or three. I see it. Why not? You build, uh, in fact, there was plenty of articles, uh, uh, look on Twitter, about building team value. And the way to do it is to do early wildcard. And a lot of us, I, I have done it before. I think I wildcarded in game week three. Some people naturally wildcard wild in game week uh, six. In, in this season, actually, if you look at the fixtures and ignore the, it, it, just the turn of fixtures, game week nine to ten is beautiful sometimes, where City just get a, a field of green and um, your Chelsea and uh, United and Spurs get a bit harder so you can switch. You know. Really nice change of fixtures. Now, what... So, I, I get that <clears throat> the reason that I can see against the early wild card is the fact that this eighteen nineteen twenty split over over Christmas uh, where you could have double game weeks um, blank game weeks, and you need your wild card to navigate now, the one thing that we must mention is game uh, wild card this season. They've done it by the date rather than the week, where normally it's about week 19, so halfway through. This time it's week, game week 16. So what a lot of people are saying is, I'm going to try and hold my walk as much as possible, as close to 16, set up my team for 18. Because 18, we believe, according to Ben Crellin, uh, and if you're a newbie and you don't know Ben Crellin, go and follow him now, because he's the only person who will tell you how the fixtures 95% of the time will fall and you will know the blanks and the doubles. 18 is going to be supposedly a big blank and 19 potentially a big double. And you, you're going to need to navigate it. Now, you can say it's easy. So you can say, well, I use my early wildcard and then I go and use my my uh, uh, my new wildcard starts in, in 17. So I will set up for 18, 19 then. Yes, you can. But we also have more blanks. And more doubles coming later. So I believe it's game week 26 and game week 29, where you have the FA Cup semis and the uh, uh, Caboero Cup final. And that's not taking into account any COVID disruptions. So I think, you know, it really just depends how. Look, there's two ways of looking at it. Do you, if you want to attack it and get as uh, early as possible, then you, you use an early wild card. And I think if you do use the early wild card and then you use your, wild card, uh, your second wild card in 17 to navigate 18 and 19 and either and then leave the free hit maybe for later blanks, I think it's possible. It's also understandable to just hold on late. I've done it before where I've planned it so rigid and held and held and held and saw people go ahead of me, and I'm already so far behind. My plan this year is to be as flexible as possible. I'm planning not to use my wild card, but if I need it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it.
0: Nice one, thanks, Mersey. Um, the uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I, I've gone through the whole range of them, thinking maybe even a wild card flipping game week two for the love of God. But uh, no, listen, we'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Um, game week three, as you said, is a big change in those fixtures, and definitely want to get in those uh, Man City assets. Um, folks, I think we'll kick on to our listener questions. So, Mersey, have you got some of those to pitch to us?
1: Uh, yes indeed I do We start with our friend uh, Morpheus Fire um, He asked Assuming FBL teams play 6-7 Attackers in, in any potential Double ups uh, sorry, Is there any potential double ups from game week 2 to game week 8 Factoring, factoring price in um, with, uh, So let's start with that There's, a, there's a, like a second and a third part Any potential double ups Kylie That you can see
2: I mean, I think one of the more common ones will probably be United. Um, Mm. If if Green, particularly if if Greenwood, um, if Sancho doesn't arrive and Greenwood continues to be an option, um, I think he's quite an easy one to fit in in conjunction to a a Martial or a Bruno. Depending which way you go, likewise if uh, Foden proves to be viable and and now that David Silver is out, uh, gets more game time. I, I mean, I wouldn't count on Pep for anything, but just given mm. his price and, and what he's capable of, you could see him complementing um, your, your premium city asset, um, easily. I mean, the fixtures aren't amazing, but it's Manchester City. So, you know, it, mm. it, it shouldn't mm. be overly worrying. Yeah. Um, I guess there could be potentially some temptation. It's very risky though, given Tottenham's fixtures, but, um, and by fixtures, I don't mean the Premier League fixtures. I mean all of the abundance of fi- fixtures that they have, but yeah. they do have, um, you know, Alley is quite cheap, right? At eight million. Mm. So conceivably you could have like an Alley um, and a Kane. I think if, if Chelsea start. As, as people hope they start and and if they click, I think they are a prime candidate potentially. For Absolutely,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Havertz and, Havert, Havert and um, Havert. Pulisic plus Werner is yeah. easily doing it. it
2: yeah, so yeah. I think Everything. I think there are. I, th- I think probably not initially, um, because there's factors there. So the factors being, you know, we want to see Chelsea see what they look like. Um, you know, we've got. City and United missing out um, on the first game week, so I think there's a few factors there that probably prevent most people from doubling up from the start. You might get yeah. the odd punt, um, but by maybe about game week three or four, I can imagine that we'd we'd have a couple of double ups um, emerging because people yeah. want to get a leg up. Um, you know, with Chelsea, um, the you know Timo's ownership already uh, suggests that you know, this is going into Bruno territory. And if he actually performs with that early ownership that we're seeing, yeah. um, then yes, that could get even higher. And then you're not really getting that advantage. So people will look elsewhere in that team um, and likewise with United. So it, it happens every season. If we see form emerge quickly for a team, then I think people will pile in. Yeah. But I'd, I'd hold off.
1: I, I can't believe you missed the, the obvious retro double up. Ryan Fraser,
2: uh, you know. Ryan and Fraser and
1: Wilson. And Wilson. <laughs> I mean, I
2: could really go. I mean, yeah, I, it's vintage vintage scenes right there. Absolutely. Um, but are we really going to ever double up on Newcastle attack? I they mean, actually
1: have good fixtures, but he is that, which is what I'm leading into. I think uh, double ups on premiums. Premium teams, top six teams, absolutely. I yeah. think where I draw the line, and don't get me wrong, Ryan and Wilson uh, a few years ago had double-up. What I've seen, teams with treble-ups, so treble people think see value in Saints, and they've gone with a defender, a midfielder, and a forward. And I just think that's too much for me, from one team that is not free-scoring, not going to win most of their games. Like, do you not, like, for me, there's teams that you can double-up on or, or treble-up, and teams that you have to be really careful.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, you're paying a premium on the assumption that they are going to keep a lot more clean sheets. So it's worth the the double up um, because you're kind of locking down on a seemingly more sure thing. Um, And likewise, they're going to score a lot more goals. I mean, otherwise, right, you know, these other teams would have premium assets and they don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Don, uh, would you look at Man City defence? Is another part of Morpheus' uh, question.
0: Um, Well, not for now. Definitely with the game week one, I wouldn't be kind of holding any of the, uh, I saw a few people like with McGuire and so on on their bench. I wouldn't try to, I wouldn't try to, you know, we're talking earlier on about trying to ride people out on the bench and just keeping them there for so to limit the number of transfers later on. Um, mm. I wouldn't do that with any defenders, to be honest with you. Um, none of them really are. Laporte is the obvious one, um, but other than Laporte and Ederson, I wouldn't know for sure um, who's going to definitely get starts every week for Man City. And personally, no, I wouldn't. Uh, and I wouldn't Laporte has
2: a
1: question, What's that? Sorry, Kylie?
2: Well, Laporte tested positive for covid anyway so we don't Oh know.
1: did he? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, him and Morris. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. yeah I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of people shouting Cancelo. Uh, it's it's impossible
0: okay. to yeah. know though. It's like it's, it's, know, it's yeah. you know, yeah. you don't you don't mind sometimes the pepper is worth playing but I, in general I think it's only really for the attacking players. I'm not going to play pepper yeah. with the defenders.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I remember Zinchenko wasn't last year. Wasn't mm. was one that everybody had in, and then we got all screwed. Um, uh, and then his last part of the question: How will Liverpool fullback output be affected if Thiago signs? We haven't signed Thiago, so I refuse to answer this question. The Liverpool fullback output will not be affected by anybody. <laughs> no. <Nope>. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, thank you, Morpheus. FBL full at United fan ninety six. Um, Carly, I'll come to you. What players do you think are going under the radar?
2: Under the radar, yeah. I it's feel a, like it, that's Twitter a tough one. Yeah, when I you're
0: know. on Twitter, that's
2: tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think maybe given fixtures, maybe Leicester, but I think there's maybe reason for that as well. Mm, so, mm.
1: yeah, um, Leicester, the ones that came to my mind, yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, I think Vardy's. Very much been overlooked um, amid Kane and Werner and and sort of other options. So given what he's capable of, I'd say he's and the fixtures he he's overlooked. Um, But I I think they were less than inspiring. Certainly he was less than inspiring uh, since Christmas. you know, yeah, I think just you know about you think? enough to hold on to the golden boot, but yeah. it, it wasn't super confidence inspiring. I think it's very tricky to invest in their midfield as well. Mm. Madison often assists the assister, creates loads. Of he's loads injured
1: of- as well. And normally he, Vardy plays much better with Madison in the team, and Madison seems to have a hip injury that we don't know how how serious or how bad it is. I think Don, you, you're, you're planning to start with Vardy. So do you think he's gone under the radar? Is that what...
0: But I think with him. I think he is yeah the um as Kylie mentioned I think everyone's pretty much looking at the the new guy on the block Werner um they're even talking about you know Mares on the bench for game week 1 and so on but um Verdi yeah it's against West Brom another away but um it's I think it's a, it's a great fixture and Vardy is is one of those players who definitely has it in him to score a brace and um, and make you make me look very clever. But whether or not I stick it with Vardy, I don't know. That extra million for um, you know to go down, or that extra half mil to go down to Werner might come in handy to upgrade mm. um, one of my defenders. So we'll see. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The second part of uh, uh, FBL Who's question is how many players do you think you should have in your squad that are differential, and what TSP percentage do you think makes a player affect your rank? That's an interesting one. So I think, look, I touched on it on this right at the beginning. I think it's fine to have a couple of di- differentials, but you have to be really careful. I think um, I would say a differential is a, is two things. So anything anything below maybe the ten percent is definitely a differential, and maybe even a, a new to the league. So for example, I've seen people starting with with Havertz. The guy just signed yesterday. He might start. Yeah, that's... and apparently he's done is well he in training. Start? They
2: have, a, they have a
1: lot of exactly. options Exactly. Too many options out there, you know. Uh, whereas with Werner and Ziyech, at least, they've had the whole pre-season with them. So I can see Werner starting for sure. Ziyech you know, is injured, isn't he? he, is, he well, yeah, he's, he's yellow flagged. But at least they had the, the pre-season with them. I think players that signed late that are out of the league, because maybe Wilson and Fraser will start... Uh, maybe they might start but like him maybe it's 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 a risk so it depends how many risks you have and how many of those blanking players you have on, on your bench now um um what what percentage do you think makes a player affect your rank i mean i think anything over 30 percent. so when somebody's owned by one in three players i think that's that's when you start. Uh, and,
0: and if, and if he's cap- a prime and if he's a prime candidate a uh, captain candidate exactly. yeah
1: exactly and he's a
2: captain yeah, then you're looking at potentially over 100 percent effective ownership and that's when it really hammers you um yeah. but i would agree i think uh outside of captaincy candidates uh if, if they're around that sort of 30 percent mark then yeah the, you are going to feel the impact of that yeah
1: because that yeah. is
2: one in three players
1: and, and as, as just to answer the question how many players i would say it's fine to have a couple of differentials. Uh, i normally try to yeah, I mean, look, it, it also depends on the position. I think in defence, I don't look at the, the percentage because it depends on your strategy. Many of us will go for 4.5s or or, or the big. For me, it's about the middle and up front, and I probably would go for one one differential, I think is is more than enough in, in, in that bracket, especially now at the beginning. What about you guys?
2: I mean, for me, to be honest, at this point of the season, I don't look at percentage um, for ownership. Mm. I I I just look at the uh, look at my team and, and who I want to have in and and frankly who I think are uh, going to get me most points and, and then I'll look at usually the sort of cheaper end where, where I've got a couple of the kind of, you know, your five point five six-ish sort of uh, attackers and um look at one that I just fancy a punt on, but ensure that it's someone that they're a viable alternative similar price range for. Um But I won't actually look at what their ownership is because I don't particularly want to play the ownership game too heavily. I think it happens Mm -hmm. organically, right? At the start of the season, I like to choose not necessarily highly owned players, but players that are of a certain quality uh, and and reliability so that I feel I can get off to a good start. Um, Inherently, they will be highly owned because other people are doing the same thing
1: and also a highly owned flop will be the first that that loses value it's it's as simple as that and between game week one and game week three I expect some madness people will not listen to don't go early transfers and COVID etc and you will see a lot of fluctuation uh, which is why money in the bank or 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 having higher players that you can drop down is is useful rather than be strict and uh, rigid with your with your structure um the uh, penultimate question. Jonathan Strack at JStrack1 would be interested to hear your thoughts on Phil Foden. <laughs>
2: naughty boy. <laughs>
1: naughty boy, yes. Naughty, Don. naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> From a footballing point of view, Don, and I know we touched on Pep and his roulette, mm-hmm. 6.5, Phil Foden, what do you think?
0: Uh, prior to this nonsense with England, he, um, and it, when the game came out first, Foden and Greenwood were... Think there were three and four basically in terms of the players that I got in. Salah, KDB were my first two, and Foden and Greenwood, based on their prices and what I saw from them last season, were the next two. So um, I'm a major fan of them, and I think that I'll definitely be getting him in. My initial plan was to kind of ride him out, have him on the bench um, for game week one. Um, along with Greenwood. Now, I think this thing here, um, might put that off, and um, you know, and that I that I won't do that, but um, no, I think definitely after when Man City get into their purple patch, I think um, Pep really likes them, and um, I think yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be major value going forward.
1: I had yeah, I heard a pod with a uh, with a football uh writer on on surgery, and the fo- the football writer was works for Bleacher Report, and apparently he heard from insiders at City that. Pep sees Foden as an attacker more than midfielder. I mean, that's that's music to our ears, right? Yeah, I think um, he front
0: three definitely. He is, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but the annoying thing with, with that is when he played, sometimes he was so far out on the right, just as frustrating as Rashford and Son being so far out on the left. Yeah, uh, but- because I owned him.
0: Yeah, but you know what, it's the same thing as I say with Rashford like that though. I was the same way and I, I was a Rashford owner and I became frustrated and actually sold him. But one thing I would say is he kept on getting in, even though he was out there a lot of the time. And Aubameyang, same way. Sometimes we can get a bit frustrated seeing them out there a lot, but they do tend yes. to get in at those critical times and do get a decent number of very good chances every game
1: agree that they do get in sometimes. I would say maybe Umar even more than Rashford and Foden from what I saw. But it depends what position Foden plays and how he plays. I agree with you. at 6.5. If he gets that... But the debate is, does he get the silver roll? Well, what if Bernardo Silva gets the David Silver rolls and Foden is actually pushed to the front? That's even better. I, mean, I, I think, think
2: he's, he never plays the same... <laughs> like, no. I think he won't play every game, but then, you know, few, very few of them do. Like, you're expecting the extreme majority of games to be played by KDB and Sterling. And beyond that, they're subject to some degree yeah. of rotation. He will what, what, probably, yeah. Optimistically, he will play a majority of games, um, but certainly miss out on some.
1: The good thing As, from an F- FPL point of view, the other thing that I noticed is that for plays the easier games, KDB delivers in the harder games. So you yes. can actually have them both. Um, and for me, Foden is definitely one to watch and want, uh, at the beginning, I want nailed, nailed starters as much as I can. And then once things settle down and we are into the groove of things and City are smashing people, you see how they play and you bring them in. I definitely would not start with him now with the blank after what happened and until I see how Peps is setting up his team. That's, that's just my own opinion. Um, but I, I agree with everything that you guys said as well. Um, last question, FBL King, the Fantasy King. This uh, too, this this um, caused an uproar in the Amigos headquarters. Who's finishing highest this season amongst the Amigos and Amiga, and is there a dodgy forfeit we can look forward to seeing on Twitter from the loser? Somebody claimed to be the head, and I questioned. What, well, we both questioned. I mean, Miley,
2: which we, period we are we looking at? Female leader claiming that he had been superior historically Uh, (laughs) we questioned I think validly Um, look we all know there's only one queen up in here so (laughs) I've got my crown ready to go and while I donated it out of the kindness of my heart last season I claimed it back Kylie can I just
1: say something over the last three seasons it's 2-1-0 and the zero is for you just, I'm just I, know, looking at I've, I've won, yeah. Two, I've
0: two of the last three seasons. Um, yeah. Mars, one of them, and one for, K, or yeah. for zero for well, K. The last two,
2: no, yeah. the last two seasons have been my two worst, but I don't think. <laughs> <that my two laughs> bad, it's your two worst.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, listen, yeah. I'm just going by the height. Yeah. I'm going by points. I looked, well, at, I it so. I looked at it because. my Absolutely. history is My history better.
0: You don't get you don't like, get you listen. don't get this kind of um, flipping having a row on the air on on who got the assist, I'm, yeah.
1: Don, Don will tell you he was not interested in. I'm air quoting. He was not interested in the game when he was in the millions. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: yeah. no, he wasn't. He in the millions the first season we. Yes, got, he
1: was, and I finished highest. And yes, it was a terrible was, season.
0: It was a but terrible But he would
2: say he was not interested. Yeah, yeah, anyway, listen, I was anyway. Listen, I finished second. What, 140 last season, which was my, wor- by some way, my worst season. Um, and the season before that was my, by some way, my worst season. Yeah, listen, listen, look, look, listen, look, let's
0: Kate, just wrap. You
1: like stats, right? You like stats. At the moment, stats says, in the last three years, since the Amigos have existed, Don is two, Mars is one, K is zero. You need to fix that. That's stats.
2: I don't well, like I stats. Think I agree
1: at I look at history. Anyway, I look at history because... Because history comes, you know, good clubs come with a good history, and I agree with you. History is the most important mm-hmm.
2: thing. Um, I agree. And, and to this, I've been listening Don... to other people on Twitter, and it's, it's impacted my views. I'm not I'm not <laughs> listening to all of it. King, um... you see what you've done.
1: Done. Over to you.
0: Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that's Riding
2: my shine.
0: Let's let's quickly give our captain picks for game week 1. Um I can, can I just judge that we're all going to go Salah for for our captain. No. No, Kylie had to be contrary. Who are you going to go for Kylie?
2: A shocking development. there. When am I ever ever like that? I'm, I'm debating about Miyang.
1: Yeah, yeah, no fair, I'm between fair the show. two as well. I'm between the two. I'm not sure really.
0: Um, one is the captain, one is vice captain for for all three of us. Anyway, uh,
1: basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, no, I think I'll just stick on Salah as I've had him for since since the beginning. I just went for Salah at home. Um, that'll make the difference for me. Um uh, folks, that's all we got time for on tonight's show and um our, our last one before the key season gets started. So um we have been Mars you can find at Mars05, Kylie you can find at Kylie myself you can find at the Marple Curse, and of course make sure you're following our group account at 3 amigosfbl Thanks as always for listening and best of luck in game week one. Adios amigos! Five, Oh.